Hi, this is Hugh Greenwood from the North Melbourne Footy Club, and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. Here is your host, Dean Basich. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on X at hashtag Kangas, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I was joined by Siobhan Rowe to go through your questions that I sent out. I sent out the question, I should say, uh, on X and Instagram the other day, and I got uh, some good questions as well, very good questions. And yeah, got uh, Siobhan to help me answer that. Uh, also talked about uh, the delistings uh, that happened uh, last week and the possibility of Riley Bonner coming to the club. So there was a little bit to go through. Let's not waste any more time. Bring on Siobhan Rowe to help me answer these your lovely questions. Siobhan Rowe, welcome back to the show once again. Now, I got you on for the mailbag episode because I think people are sick of my opinion and want to hear your lovely voice and get your opinion. But before we start, um, just a little bit of news. So we had some delistings to finalise the list spots with Aiden Bonner, Kane Turner and Jack Marnie all being let go. Uh, I found this one a bit strange, Siobhan, because um, why didn't they just get rid of them a few weeks ago? Because it seems to have uh, delayed the inevitable, uh, inevitable uh, really, for them and their, and their uh, prospects of finding another club, I guess. Yeah, hi Dean. Um, great to be with you for the Mailbag Show. It is quite interesting that it didn't happen in the clump that happened earlier in the year, but it was potentially a decision made for um, what hap- what transpired over trade period. Clearly, we brought in some much needed defensive depth um, in Toby Pink and um, Big O and Ewan. So it was possible that the club was just wanting to see how that all transpired. Um, I think it was. It's fair to say that most supporters um, saw the end of. Kane Turner um, coming for a little while considering he was um, delisted and then back on the list and um, by the looks of it on the Sid Barker medal night, Larky's um, sort of speech indicated that his time at the club was up. Um, I think also Jack Marnie probably um, was very unlucky with some of the injuries that he had over the course of his time at the club. But in saying that, his ceiling wasn't exactly great. Um, He was a a pick in the 20s, which is just um, disappointing that he wasn't able to reach his potential, but he did have enough opportunity to show what he had. I think that the one there that maybe was the the decision that could have gone either way was Bonner just because we are so light on in that defensive depth. And we saw him come in um, on that good Friday when Griffin Logue was out and we had such a small um, defence and he did play at times on Harry Mackay. So he was another option I thought we could have kept on our list just to have another sort of backup for um for a, a potential injury or um, an incident if the uh, the back line is struggling. Um, but clearly, again, um, just came onto the scene at North Melbourne after coming from GWS, just not quite hitting his ceiling. I did think potentially he had an opportunity to play even as a forward or as a midfielder where he was initially drafted to, but just never really... Um, had a, a game where we all went, wow, look what Aiden Bonner can do. I think he was solid without being great. So um, none of them are really surprising. And I think, again, it just shows that um, we've lost so much experience from last year. We've lost so many players now. And, and what I think these delisting show is that we will probably take all five of our picks into the draft um, considering we have lost so many from the list. And it really is like a new era for the club. I think the fact that we are getting rid of players that um, have had opportunity and haven't shown what they're capable of shows that we're not going to have mediocre players on the list. We're interested in bringing in elite talent that can win flags. So um, I can't say that I'm devastated about the, the players we've lost for depth potentially, but um I'm also kind of excited. I'm thinking, okay, well, now the club is getting really serious about bringing bringing in players that um, are going to take their opportunity by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, and I and fair, yeah, I mentioned uh, two of those players, Jack Marnie and Aiden Bonner. They just uh, couldn't get uh, continuity into their bodies and uh, sustain you know periods of time where they were 
you know, injury-free as well, So, which probably hurt him. I mean, Aiden Bond is a former top-10 draft pick, but mm-hmm. um, never uh, really got his body right. He certainly showed potential um, as a defender, and we'll talk about another Bonner uh, in a minute that could possibly take his spot. But um, I was surprised a little bit, and I don't know if you agree with me, about the Kane Turner one, because he did get a game in the last month of the season. And he seemed to have got a, f- a fair few games uh, when Clarkson was around. He seemed to be one of the first picks. So were you surprised they weren't didn't consider, you know, uh, keeping in a small forward? Because at the moment, we've probably only got Robert Hanson and Blake Drury as the other two uh, very genuine small forwards. You could, I mean, you could throw in Harry Shees or maybe a Paul Curtis. Um, but uh, outside of that, um, yeah, there's certainly a spot there. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think um, most supporters aren't blind to the fact that our defence and our small forward stocks are probably the two areas of the ground where we're probably screaming out for more personnel or more quality personnel. I do think Sheezer will play a lot more forward this year. I just have a feeling that um, he obviously had an incredible first year in the back half of the ground, but um, he was drafted as a small forward and I think he will provide a much-needed spark for us up there. And you did mention if one of Paul Curtis or... um, or I guess you could call Cam Zohar a small forward or a medium type forward, but um, not really a crummer. If, if we get some injuries in that department as well, I fear that the ball will just get so um, quickly rebounded out of there considering we don't have that sort of pressure forward. So um, I was a little bit sort of um, not surprised, but I thought there was a chance. But in saying that, I think his time probably was up at the club, even in the last sort of game, few games he played, he wasn't outstanding. And I think we know what Kane Turner can bring. And I wouldn't say he's a pressure forward. Um, I would say that he, yes, occasionally he does bob up for a couple of goals, but he's not a game breaker. And I think the list and where we are as a club has probably moved past Turner, which for me is a good thing. Um, but there are areas of the ground and the small forward stocks uh, is one of them where um, it's just very light on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, there's certainly a few spots uh, that we light on. Um, I, I did hear uh, about uh, Biggie Newen that he could possibly be used as a forward uh, next season. Um, yeah, because he did play a game in the VFL where he kicked um, G, against GWS for Richmond. He kicked two goals, seven. It was seven goals, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's got certainly got uh, tremendous athleticism. And I was speaking to a couple of Richmond uh, mates who, you know, followed them uh, closely, and they sort of said that uh, he did look better as a forward um, than any other position on the ground. Uh, they said he, he looked okay in the ruck, but uh, struggled against the bigger bodies. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I think it's more of a project and, you know, um, yeah, if you get something out of him, great. If you don't, I'll say you spent nothing to get him. Uh, I, was, I mentioned the Bonner before. Now, Riley Bonner has been mentioned as a possible delisted free agent, Siobhan. Um, mm. 93 games. He certainly fits our age demographic. Uh, he'll be 26 at the start of next year when the season starts. They certainly had some good seasons at Port Adelaide. Do you think uh, he could be a handy addition if he does club, come to the club? I think so. I think... Um... His name was floated around last year during the uh, Jason Horn Francis trade. So um, I don't think we were too keen on involving him in a trade for a former number one pick. But um, certainly if he comes across as a delisted free agent, um, we must have had some form of interest in him. Um, he will provide a bit of pace, a bit of spark out of the back line. Um, I think what we're noticing now is Clarkson loves his left footers, that's for sure. Um, And I think he's really wanting to inject some speed into the team. Um, We've seen that with the recruitment of Stevens and Fisher and um, and Scott will play on the other wing. So I feel like he would be a good addition. I don't know how many players he'd be keeping out of that sort of back line. Um, I, I would hope to see Josh Godel potentially play um, a similar role to Bonner and um, he could probably complement him in many ways. So um, I wouldn't be unhappy to see him um, on the list. I think um, we've obviously delisted Flynn Perez, who also plays a similar role. So um, he is 26. He fit, like you mentioned, fits that demographic where there is a quite a big hole in our list. So um, to see him come on the list would be um, quite a nice little addition, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, 2021 and 2022, he averaged 19.9 positions and 18.8 positions per game. He uses the ball quite well. I think a good player comp, and I wish uh, I got Marty Cohen on tonight, but uh, maybe a Jasper Pitter, a skinny sort of yes. got a good left foot. Um, I, I, I mean, I think he's a bit quicker than uh, um, yeah, Pittard was, uh, but uh, sort of similar play comp, would you say, with uh, Riley Bonner, Bonner there? Yeah, I think so. I think another aspect of his game that would really appeal to us is the fact he's quite versatile. So he can play on the wing. He's also um, spent a lot of his time at Port in that sort of back half. Um, he's got a penetrating left foot. So there are similarities to Pittard. I'd hope that um, he'd be a little bit more consistent if he came across. But at 190 centimetres as well, I think he could fit um, in quite nicely considering he, he – is known to be composed at times. So um, I think you're right, Dean. I think he, he would fit in nicely. Yeah, I mean, at worst, it gives us a little bit of depth there. And like you said, we've lost Aiden Bonner. Lockie Young was another rebound defender in the Aaron reserve. Aaron Hall, can put in that mix as well. Mm, yeah, so we're, we're quite short there, aren't we, like with, as far as rebounding defenders. You mentioned Flynn Perez as well. We've delisted. So we kind of need to get uh, two or three. And I think one player that... Um, you know, that uh, might play there next year and maybe even a Colby McKercher might start off as a halfback flank. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, Good point, Dean. We're already throwing his name around. It's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got to get excited about it. So, yeah, um, yeah, we've got picks two and three. But, um, yeah, we've got questions about, uh, yeah, going up to pick one and so forth and a few uh, questions, yeah, questions about two and three. So, well, we might as well get started with some questions. I've got a few here from in- on Instagram. So Mark McInerney asks, quite a few boys of, of the boys enjoying their time off uh, in the off-season. Just wondering who you think has been the BOG for drinking beers in the off-season. I did hear <laughs> on the grateful one that one player had a large night and a passport was lost thus putting the line through the next league of an international holiday. I, I haven't been following on too much on uh, Instagram, but uh, do you know much about uh, the boys getting having a good time in the off-season? By the looks of it, a lot of them are over in Europe, which um, is really cool. Um, obviously, I've just come Well, you're putting it, so yeah. <laughs> I've just come off a, a three-and-a-half-month stint, so um, mm. I get the appeal, and I know um, they've had quite a good time over at Oktoberfest in Germany. So. Um, Quite a few beers would have been drunk, I'm sure. Um, I did see that um, Harry Sheasel, Blake Drury and um, George Wardlaw were in the in the United States and they actually met up with Alistair Clarkson and his son over there. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, and I know Clarko's over there um, doing uh, some sort of coaching role with um, the NBA. So uh, pretty exciting. Um, but it looks like they are enjoying themselves overseas, which is good to see. And um, looking forward to seeing the boys back for day one of preseason. No, definitely. Yeah, I did see um, the Harry Sheasel, uh, World War and Drury were over in the States uh, watching the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I, yeah, I know uh, Clarkson's got a you know, relationship with Steve Kerr, the head coach at the Golden State Warriors. So, yeah, that's uh, that'll only be a benefit, I think. So just building that uh, with him. Um, all right, we'll go to Bailey Tyson. Who's in need for a massive preseason? For me, it's the likes of Tom Powell and Curtis Taylor. Yeah. Uh, both out of contract, uh, Siobhan, so it probably, it's probably a fair fair call. Yeah, this is a really good question. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it as well. I think the name that always gets floated around this time of year when it comes to players that need a big preseason is Cam Zerha. I always feel mm-hmm. like there's another level of his game that's yet to be unlocked. And I don't know if it's a fitness thing or um, he's limited in what he can do in terms of the positions he can play on the ground. But I think Zerha can be such a big asset for us. And I say every year he just doesn't have the tank for it but I really feel like if he had a big preseason we could use him more um with some sort of pinch hits in the midfield where it can be um almost like a game breaker so I'd like to see him have a really big um preseason I think uh another player I'd like to see is maybe Will Phillips I also feel like he's yet to sort of unlock his full potential so um if he kind of hits the gym and um obviously is still getting over that 
glandular fever and the um, other sort of health issues he's had. So once he's in the clear from that, I feel like he's another player that um, will certainly add big benefit to the side. And um, I think the usual suspects like Taryn Thomas is um, another player that's just going from strength to strength on the field. So um, seeing him have a big preseason and um, like uh, our listener mentioned, I think Taylor and Curtis are a couple of others and, um, we can only get better if they continue to get um, fitter and stronger. What about you, Dean? What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I was going to ask you, look, um, Tom Powell, Curtis Taylor, do you, would, right now, I mean, outside of draft picks, we, we only count, uh, you know, pick two or pick three as probable, uh, possibly players will be in your round one team in 2024. Would you have them in your round one team in 2024, both those individuals right now? Because right now, I think they're both on the fringes. Both of them wouldn't be in my best 22 for round one. Um, yeah. I feel like Tom Powell, he's an interesting character because I truly feel like he's got a lot of talent, but where does he fit? I don't think he can fit in the midfield. He's certainly not a running, powerful sort of halfback. He's not a key defender. He hasn't really shown his wares as a smaller type forward or a wingman. So we're, I think it's more finding a role for him. Um yeah, at the moment, I think there are too many medium-sized forwards that have gone past Taylor, whether that be um, Zerha Sheasel if he goes down there. Um, I think Eddie Ford probably plays over Taylor, and he yeah. was the one that was keeping Taylor out of the side at the back half of, of this year. Um, it's really, really interesting because I do feel like out of Taylor or Powell, I'd want to start Powell, but uh, he just doesn't have a, a spot where he – has that sort of this is my position on the ground and I will play this and play it well like Bailey Scott does on a wing. So yeah, it's a it's a really interesting question. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean they're right on the fringes. They probably need a couple of injuries to probably get in. Tom Powell, yeah, like you said, he's a real interesting. A lot of talent there. Look, I think if there was an Adelaide team interested in him, we probably would have traded. Yeah, yeah. If, if the offer was there. But apparently no Adelaide teams were interested, so we kind of um, yeah, stuck with him. But, um, yeah, like you said, I think there's five or six midfielders in front of him. Curtis Taylor, there's probably uh, four or five half forwards that are in front of him. You know, we get Braden George uh, next season possibly. Yes. <laughs> He's know, the big and, one, isn't he? Yeah, and we might get Zane Dersmer as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that probably puts him down to pecking order as well. Cameron Zerha. Do you think he's got that uh, passion to improve his football? Like he seems to – I, I don't know if that's his, you know, like his – I guess uh, – what am I trying to say here? That uh, he really wants to, you know, uh, take that next level. I, I haven't seen that enough in him because he doesn't look like a player. Like even going in this year, they tried him in the midfield. But then he looked like he lost fitness about three or four rounds into the season. Um, and, yeah, probably look maybe – uh, not got heavy, but probably put on a couple of kilos, probably from all his food that he's been uh, cooking and so <laughs> forth. So, what do you think with uh, Cameron Zerha? Do you think, you know, uh, that he needs for him to take the next level? He probably got to take his football a little bit more seriously. I think that's a fair point because I really do feel like we get to this point of the year every year, and we say Cam Zerha has so much potential to just become one of the elite players of the competition. But he's twenty five years old. He's twenty six at the start of next year, so it's almost like he's hitting that peak part of his career. But we haven't seen the best of him yet. Whether or not it's professionalism, whether or not it's just his yeah. ceiling. And I know we picked him up as a rookie um, and he's done so well in his career so far. But I just feel like you're probably right. I think there needs to be more of a want to become one of the best players in the comp because he has the potential to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think you nailed, nailed it right there with the professionalism. I don't know if he's got that professionalism uh, in him. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, we'll go to the next one, Tristan Cook, another uh, Tom Powell. He sort of says, I really like Powell and Lazaro, but they lack opportunities in their favourite position. If we go to this draft and pick up even more young, talented kids, mm -hmm. it's only going to be tough for them to establish themselves. Are you concerned that we'll continue to lose talent at footballers because we have prioritised getting the best available players in the draft mm -hmm. rather than what we need? Key backs, forwards and genuine small forwards. Um, with a question mark, we yeah, it's it's a fair point. Uh, I could sort of understand where he's coming from because pick two and three is uh, instead of probably getting a Daniel Curtin and Nick Watson, who are probably you know your key position defender and small forward pressure, 
Um, we're looking at Zane Dersma, who got half forward, and Colby McKercher, who's another midfielder. So what do you think about that? It's a great question. It's a really good question. Um, I think I've made my stance very clear, I hope, on this draft that I really, really hope that we pick up Daniel Curtin. It doesn't sound like we will, but I just think when is this club going to start investing in key position players? I understand Curtin's from WA, but he's that versatile player and there just aren't many opportunities to draft quality tools. Um very often. So I feel like, yeah, we are, we are so heavily stocked for midfielders. And I understand that when you get to that that point in the draft where we are at the moment, where you've got picks two and three, you pick the best talent available, but Curtin, even though he might be a couple of spots below us for where we sit at the moment is too good to pass up um, considering how much we need that key position talent. Um, the point he raised about Lazaro and uh, Tom Powell, I think maybe internally the club may be thinking in their own mind that both of those boys are potentially depth players. And he raises another good point that the more midfielders and the more quality mids we bring in, if it is a Dersmore or it is a, um, a McKercher, the more they'll fall down the pecking order and eventually might lose the spot on the list. Um, but there's no doubt that I think our drafting – is, has been very good last year and the year before has been okay. But the more we don't select needs, the more we will struggle. So um, I am surprised that we've lost so much interest in Watson and that we may not select Curtin considering how well they'd fit into the mould. But I also get the argument that you pick the best available players, which um, McKerch is certainly one of them, whether we go down the Dersma path, I'm not sure. Um, but there always is a risk that you lose talent on your list by bringing in more players that play in the same position. Um, and I think that's why some taller players on our list are still on the list because they have height or because they have the ability to play um, as a key position player compared to others. But I think it's always safe to have more mids than key position talent, but we are so dry in that area at the moment that I do hope we start to address it in the near future. If it's not this draft, it'll have to be next. Yeah, I mean, even though we've got Toby Pink, I mean, there's no guarantees here. He did play in a sandful. Um, and we're still we're still short in that area. We've got Toby Pink, uh, Aiden Core, and Callum Dawson and with Griffin Logat for half the year. So you kind of still need another key position defender. I would have thought Curtin uh, would have been handy. Of would have been a, yeah, it would have been a fair chance with the left foot as well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we just talked about Clarkson and, and his love for left footers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fair point, um, boy, and, and a very good question by Tristan Cook. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll know more as the draft goes on, you know, when, we get, when it gets close to the draft and uh, which area we go. But uh, right now, if you if you took Brady Rawlings' job and you had picked two or three, uh, who would you be taking? Again, like I really wish I was in his head. I think every club has a draft board and they clearly rank the top, Oh, they, they'd have a very good idea of what the top 10 looks like, that's for sure. And we're in such a great position to have picks two and three and then the other three picks in the top 20. I mean, I don't know the last club that had sort of that hand. It's crazy. Um, I think I'm a little bit biased because I do really want us to fill one of those key, key position holes. I think we clearly bid on Walter um, unless we have a prior agreement with the Gold Coast, but I think – um, in an ideal world, he wouldn't be linked to the Gold Coast Academy and we'd be getting a um, a big sort of bollocking key forward, but that won't be the case. Um, personally, I would go McKercher and I would go Daniel Curtin. Um, no disrespect to Zane Dersmer, I just feel like it's a needs thing for us. Um, the only thing I can think of is that the club are worried about him going back home or they're worried about um, another potential issue that there has come up in the interview or in testing um, because that's the path I'd be going down. I think outside of Reed, McKercher is clearly the best sort of um, pure midfielder and he's probably too good to pass up. Um, and by the looks of it, Watson's almost securely going to the Bulldogs or Hawthorne. Um, but I would probably go McKercher and Curtin based on what's available at those picks. Yeah, it's a bit a bit early for Riley Sanders in it too. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's probably five or six options. Um, yeah, better than uh, him at the moment. 
Uh, Scott Witt, he says, what about trading pick three? Supposedly, there was an offer from Dees for it. Uh, maybe once it gets clo- closer to the draft, we might get a better offer. It would have to be something good, wouldn't it, to get trade pick three? Yeah, it would have to be a very, very, very good offer. Yeah, I um, I truly think that um, we will keep pick two and three unless we did something crazy and we gave both those picks up for pick one, which by the sounds of it, West Coast are keen on getting those two picks to get pick one over the line. But I think Reed's a different player to McKercher, but McKercher's so damaging by foot. He can hit the scoreboard. He's a ball magnet. So I think he's got a lot of great attributes that for us to give up Reed McKercher or, um, oh, sorry, McKercher or a Curtin or a, um, uh, Dersmore or McKercher, whichever way the club goes for just Harley Reid, um, would be an odd choice. And I think it would be an even more odd choice to give up picks, pick two or pick three to another club. I think that's probably a long shot. Yeah, I think the only club that could probably come into consideration would be Melbourne because they've got six and 11 um, if they really wanted to trade up. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, uh, that's probably the only club I can think of. Outside of that, um, I think we'll probably just go in with that. Uh, we'll go to X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it now, and we'll go to Michael. Now, he asks, uh, if Charlie Combin goes to the back line, which sounds like it will, who helps Larky up forward, Zerha and question mark? This is the million-dollar question. I, I know we're, we were talking, I mean, I, I want to be upbeat, I want to be positive, and we were having a chat before <laughs> about sort of the the lack of key position talent on the list, but it's it's hard. It's hard to think of one. Um, Clearly, if Combin goes down back, um, we're left very short in the forward half. Paul Larky gets mauled um, every week and he is a genuine star of the competition and probably um, my favourite player on our list. I just think um, All-Australian, to come third in the Coleman race and always most weeks to be tag-teamed is is so admirable. But let's not be fooled. He needs help. I think Coleman Jones is the clear answer, but I think clear answer is probably the the wrong answer to that too. I think he is the one on the list currently that we um, employ to help Larky in the forward line. But in saying that, I had a conversation with you the other week, Dean, about Coleman Jones being our sort of sole ruckman. But I I don't think Tristan Sherry's capable of playing ruck and then going forward, um, where Coleman Jones maybe has the ability to ruck and go forward. Um, so maybe he's the answer where you've got um, sort of Larky as your key position talent, and then you have um, the smalls and mediums around him, and then you you rotate Coleman Jones um, into the forward half, but that leaves our ruck stock short. So I just think we've got a bit of a key position crisis. Um, but I'd like to think Coleman Jones is capable of partnering larking kicking a uh, upwards of of sort of 30 to 40 goals this year if he did play that position um yeah. i think his rut craft is good enough too so i'd back him in um but i just think the loss of goldstein is going to be felt a lot more than we realized this uh, next next season just purely because i i'm not sold on tristan sherry um and if Coleman Jones is in the frame. I think he's in the frame as a forward, um, more so than, than a ruck, considering that we almost need him to partner Larky. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, there is a ruck question coming up soon, so I'll, I'll leave my thoughts for that. But, uh, yeah, are you still high on Callum Coleman Jones? Because you were very high when we, when we recruited uh, him to the club, weren't you? He's let me down a little bit. I mean, I'd like to mm-hmm. say that I still have faith in him, but um, he hasn't ever had a game yet in our, our colours where I've gone, wow, you know, he can really be that long-term answer for that key forward or ruck role. I think he's building into it. Um, and I'd like to think the question you asked me before about who needs a big preseason, I think Callum Common Jones is probably very high on that list if he has a good preseason. Um, the opportunity is there for him to either become a permanent forward or a permanent ruckman or one or the other. I think if he doesn't take his opportunity now, he never will. So um, this season is really big for him and his career at North Melbourne. Uh, that's an absolute guarantee. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a player that had two or three concussions last season too, which sort of hurt yeah. his uh, continuity as well. So, 
we're certainly hoping he can have a big preseason and hit the ground running round one next season. Uh, Daniel Powell, he's got a couple of questions. The first one's about the women's team. Uh, so he asked, do you think that we could go all the way and win the premiership? I'm not sure now after losing the Demons in Brisbane. It's a must win this weekend against the Crows. We just can't seem to get the W against those three teams. Thoughts, Siobhan? Yeah, we were having a little bit of a chat off there about it. Um, and I loved Claire Cozzi's take on this on the podcast the other night. I think there's no doubt that the list has enough talent to win a premiership, but I just feel like there's such a battle against Brisbane, Melbourne and Adelaide. And unfortunately, to win a premiership, we have to beat potentially all three of those clubs. And um, the game against Brisbane was really disappointing because it looked like we had such control of the game and then it slipped away where I think against the D's we started well and it looked really promising. And then um, again, we just completely sort of fell away and um, it was disastrous really after quarter time. So um, I think if they can get a few things in order, it's possible, but you do almost get the sense that, um, the other three clubs are just that step ahead mentally and and just oh not so much physically but on game day have that sort of edge against us um, whether that be psychologically or just the way that they play. Um, Melbourne Smalls always seem to get a hold of us. Bannon and um, uh, Hoare and and those girls, yeah, it just seems to be a repeat sort of thing. Um, but. Uh, I do think if we can beat the Crows this weekend, it'll be a big confidence booster and potentially they can sort of shake this monkey that they seem to have on their back off a little bit. So um, if we can beat the Adelaide in Adelaide, we might have a different conversation. But for now, until they sort of beat one of those three, I think we're going to be stuck in the same cycle um, that we seem to have been since we came into the competition. Yeah, look, it's yeah. I, I think Melbourne have gotten in, into our heads a little bit, you know, especially after winning the premiership last year. And uh, what's her name, uh, Daisy Pierce, sort of uh, had a few uh, parting comments about it. You know how we give cars away to our recruits and all that sort of thing. And yeah, it's, and it just a couple of other things during the course of the season. Um, yeah, a couple couple of girls have said things, and maybe they've gotten in their heads a little bit. But I'm not too sure that that's up to you know the girls. I, I can't speak for them, but um, yeah, they certainly. Um, at work, this, uh, in particular after quarter time, and our ability not to adapt um, to anything different, um, yeah, was was quite disappointing. And yeah, whether that comes down to coaching or play, players, um, yeah, I'm not too sure. But a uh, little bit of work to do. But they're in a in a position to challenge for a premiership, which is all you can ask at the moment. Uh, he also asked asked about the men's team. Are you happy with our draft picks or would you like to see them trade up for pick one? If so, what would you be happy with as a trade? Or you just want to go in with pick two and three and 15, 17, 18? I think if the asking price for West Coast, like I mentioned earlier, has to involve pick two and three, we say thanks, but no thanks. We'll see Holly Reid in three years' time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but I, I would like to see us potentially package up those sort of early teen picks, potentially go after Geelong's pick eight or have a conversation with some other clubs about getting into the bottom part of, of the top ten or the early part of the teens with uh, an earlier pick. I think with this draft, there's been a lot of conversation around how it sort of dries up at a certain point. Um, and I think the fact that we ha- we have culled the list as much as we have, I do feel like it's a message to say we are going to use all the picks we have, but um, you probably can't have enough talent come through the door. And um, if you are selected in the top 20, obviously you have that potential. I just think the list is probably still in need of more quality, quantity than quality at the moment. But if we did um, have our eye on a particular player that we were going to miss out on in that gap between pick three and pick, um, what is it, pick uh, 11 or? 15. 15. I think it'd probably be a wise choice to maybe package those later team picks up for something um, a bit earlier on. Yeah, I mean, once the draft gets close, I'm sure I'll have you on and we can uh, discuss it more. But uh, they can do trades right up until, you know, uh, 
pretty much the day of the the draft. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's so handy because I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, each club will have a draft board, and I think if the club saw that there was a player that they thought might have been taken earlier or a player that they're really invested in, they can always do that deal on the night and that kind of gives them options to go, okay, this player we really want and we'll package something up for an earlier pick. Um, I mean, there's a, a player in the name of by the name of Connor O'Sullivan um, who is a key defender, key forward. He's versatile. Um, he's even played in the midfield this year for the Murray Bush Rangers. Um and I think he's predicted to go in that sort of um, 10 to 12 range. So if the club um, still saw him on the board uh, and they were able to kind of trade up to get him if they had a keen eye on him, that's another option. And that can always be done on draft night. So I think there's still a lot to play out with our picks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you did mention him, uh, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago about Connor O'Sullivan. So, yeah, it sounds like you're very high on him. And, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll obviously see how that pans out. Uh, Shimbona asks, uh, how can or should we be preparing for an exit out of Hobart? Should the club be trying to get government grants like the Cats and get Arthur Street uh, suitable for games against Gold Coast Giants, Frio and the like? This way we don't need to find a new, uh, new location to have home and away games. Uh, I think it would need a lot of uh, money to get uh, game, yeah, uh, AFL games against Gold Coast Giants and Frio and so forth, I, I, I would think they're uh, Siobhan. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think it's really easy to forget that Tasmania are coming into the competition quicker than we all realise is going to happen. So um, I feel like we've got a window of opportunity to kind of get this list right, um, get all our coaching in order before the draft becomes compromised and before the competition becomes compromised for the club, uh, the new club to kind of um, spread its wings in the competition. I think that probably also extends out to um, our commitment down in Tassie. Mm. I, I'm not 100% across this, so um, I don't know if I can answer it in the best way possible, but um, I obviously know that there will be no more games in Tasmania once Tasmania actually entered the competition. So um, clearly it's provided a big financial boost for the club um, and sponsorship and all of the things that sort of come with being a football club. And it will be a hit to us because um, we aren't doing it for the fact that we love Maybe we are, but I don't think that um, our Victorian supporter base really love um, the fact that we have so many home games down there. So um, there's a financial um, benefit, there's a, a sponsorship benefit, there's all those things that help the club run. Um, so I think we'll probably try and get the most out of the deal, but certainly I've got no doubt behind the scenes that um, the administration will be working through how we can sort of exit without it having too much of an impact on the club. Yeah, and we're still going to have supporters. Like, we're still built supporters. And, you know, not everyone is going to go and follow Tazzy, you know, once once they come in the competition. Yeah. You're probably, you know, I think we've got like six, 7,000 members there. I mean, you might lose half of them, but there's still 3,500 supporters that you've got over there. And, yeah, you know, I mean, if, you know, I mean, whatever sport you follow, um, you know, like a Melbourne team, uh, you know, uh, and another Melbourne team came in, you, you sort of, um, yeah, you stick with that uh, club that you follow originally because you want to show a bit of loyalty. So there's no guarantees that uh, every one of those 7,000 supporters are going to leave. So you still got, um, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's going to be tricky how they sort of um, prepare for, you know, not playing games there. But, um, yeah, they still want to have, you know, they still, you know, want to get, uh, you know, the supporter base um, still from over there. Um, still following North Melbourne, so yeah, it will be uh, it'll be interesting. But we don't have to worry about that just yet. It's still five years away um, before all that happens. So yeah, we'll see how we go. Uh, all sports considered, us uh, picks pick two and eighteen for six and eleven from the D's. Uh, the dogs might take Sanders before us though. We talked about Sanders. He probably mm -hmm. won't uh, come to us. But uh, would you do pick two and eighteen for six and eleven? You think? Uh, I'd probably. I think uh, pick two would probably have a bit more. Value than, uh, than uh, yeah, pick six and 11, I would have thought. Yeah, I would really like us to see, um, see pick two at the club. Um, mm. what was the what was the six and 11? Yeah, from the demons. Yeah, 
I mean, it depends what the club has in its plans. I guess um, we're talking about, well, I'm talking about Daniel Curtin and I think by the looks of it, he has slipped down the draft board a little bit. So if the club was kind of had their hearts set on taking Curtin, I would look at that deal. Um, but if we were serious at looking at Dersmer and McKercher, then that's a different story. Um, around there, you, you've got Sanders, you've got Curtin, you've got um, Nate Caddy, who's another sort of um, midfielder from Victoria, um, O'Sullivan around that pick as well. So it's possible that we look at it, but it depends how set the club are on those um, first two boys. And by the sounds of it, they probably wouldn't do that deal. Um, if they were keen on Curtin and some of the others, then maybe they would. Um, yeah, it's all to play out, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I really like pick two ahead of pick six. That's that's all. I think it's a bit of a drop uh, down. So, you know, I, you know I, I don't know why we'd have to give up pick 18 as well. I, you know, I, I might do uh, three for six and 11. Because you know, yeah, but uh, not two. I think two is just uh, that's that's a bit too rich. Considering other teams, especially uh, what sort of price West Coast are putting on uh, Harley Reid, yeah. and we should be putting on a high price for pick two as well. So rather than just yeah doing something like that, uh, the uh, Andrew Scalzi, uh the ruck situation. So this is the one I was talking about. The ruck situation is a concern at the moment. Uh, would it be worth using a decent pick to draft a ruckman this year, aim to get one in next year's trade period, or just stick with their current rucks going forward? Not sh- sure if Sherry is up to it. Now, we've talked yeah. about this before. Is there any ruckman around that area, 15, 17, 18, we could possibly look at uh, Siobhan, or, or, or are you not too sure just yet? It's really hard. <laughs> it's extremely mm. hard because I think when you also bring in a ruckman through the draft, they're not going to come in – and replace Todd Goldstein. They're going to need time. They're going to need patience. And I would suggest that the club would probably want to play a Sherry over a fresh sort of 18-year-old Ruckman. We've got Hamish Free on the list, but I agree that I don't think Tristan Sherry is completely going to thrive as the solo Ruckman. Maybe I just don't have faith in him, but I truly feel like this is going to be a big problem for us next year. Um, I don't know who's necessarily on the market. Obviously, we've missed out on Soldo, um, Jordan Sweet. Um, by the looks of it, Richmond are going to secure um, the ex-Sydney um, Ruckman. So I don't know how many mature age um players there are I mean the best solution through the draft would be a player by the name of Will Green um, from the Northern Knights so he's probably the best sort of ruck pure ruck in the draft Um, 204 centimeters he's um, had a game where he averaged 15 disposals throughout the um, the coach league this year Um, he's a quality sort of young ruck but you wouldn't expect him to come in and compete for us next year. Um, And he's probably around the pick 20 to 30 range. So if we used one of our um, later team selections on him, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But it doesn't solve the immediate crisis. Nah. What about Scott Lysette? He's out of contract. Uh, There's talks he's going to be uh, delisted uh, with with them getting uh, soldo. I don't know if he's been delisted just yet or anything like that, but uh, would you consider someone like that or someone similar? Yeah, that's a bit, you know, that's got a mature body and can compete and, yeah, really throw his weight around. I think so. I really think so. Because if you think about it, Dean, um, very unfortunate what happened with Sherry last year in round one. But if that happens again, um, we honestly are relying on. Colin Coleman Jones, Nick Larkey, and Hamish Free as the other tools on the list, which you wouldn't want to play Larkey as the Ruckman. I'd suggest Coleman Jones would play more um, forward or, or he would have to be the, the solo Ruck. Um, and Free, we don't know much about. So having set on the list, considering we also have those additional um, rookie spots and list spots from the AFL as part of the assistance package, I think would be a really smart move. The guy can clearly play. He's got experience. Um, he would be a handy sort of person to have on the list. So I would certainly consider that as an option. We've got uh, interest from three clubs uh, at the moment, Scott Lysette. We, he's weighing up uh, retirement, but apparently he's got interest from three clubs um, whether the play on. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's 31, so he could still go around for a couple of years and play some good footy. 
Um, I really like the way he plays, actually. He competes really hard in the contest. And, you know, he's, he's not uh, useless around the ground. Um, so, yeah, he, he might be an option as a stopgap uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, Paul Broadbent, uh, is it automatic that Jai and Luke will be joint captains in 2024? Luke, in particular, needs to let his footy do some talking. Don't question his heart and commitment to the club, just his commitment to kicking and catching and practice pretty much over <laughs> football by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a another good question because it's something that's kind of played in my mind since the season finished. Um, I think everyone on this podcast knows my thoughts on Luke McDonald's um, season. And again, I agree 100% with um, with the comment about um, not questioning his commitment and his passion and his desire for the footy club. Um, all of that is unquestionable. But when you have a captain that doesn't show up week in, week out and makes as many mistakes and poor choices as Luke does, it does reflect on the club a little bit. Um I have no doubt that Simkin will go around again as captain, um, but whether or not they make the choice to have Luke as just the, sorry, as um, Jai as the solo captain um, without Luke, I'm not sure. I think one season is probably not enough time to see what both of them can do in terms of a leadership capacity. Um, it's possible that I'm just a bit unfair um, and I don't see what happens behind closed doors because clearly the playing group voted both of them in for a reason um, and maybe Luke's probably a little bit better in that um, sort of social side and he seems to be really well liked. So um, it's possible they go with those two again. Personally, like when I look from look at the club uh, from an outsider sort of perspective, I think Nick Larkey would make the perfect captain for this footy club. But again, like I'm... I'm sure that they'll probably stick with, with Luke and Jai. Um, but Nick Larkey just speaks leader to me. He's got all the attributes to be maybe the next captain of the footy club, but um, it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders and he's already dealing with a lot down in that forward line. So um, I don't think they'll make that change. I just think he's a um, a really good asset for this footy club. Yeah, well, he's part of, Nick Larkey's part of the leadership group. Yeah, with uh, Luke McDonald, he's... um. I don't know what the, maybe the pressure got to him a bit. And it's sort of, um, even when you watch him play, it, it's like he always feels the pressure, especially when, yeah. uh, you know, the close games were on. He, he seems to panic a little bit. Um, and you sort of, when, you, when you're a player, you want your leader to be calm, cool and collected. So uh, what's your opinion on a players voting in a captain? I think the coach should do it and players shouldn't. Uh, I mean, players can have a say, like the leadership uh, group, but uh, I think it should be the coach that uh, comes up with the uh, captain each year. I 100% agree with that, Dean. I think sometimes players can be friends with a particular mm-hmm. person and I think that might cloud judgment where I think a coach obviously sees things from a different lens um, and there's no doubt that Luke seems to be a really personable guy. Um, but in terms of leadership, I do, I'm still not sold. Um, I think, yeah, going forward, maybe that's something that that changes. I don't know whether it will or it won't, um, but it, it does provide a completely different perspective if the coach did decide um, which player was the, the captain or captains. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they'll just go with one next year, probably Josh Simkin again with maybe Nick Larky as vice-captain. But they're probably the best two choices at the moment, although Jai's form did drop off this year as well, mm-hmm. uh, personally. So, yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, maybe just need a year a year under his uh under the belt sort of to get going and he might get back to his best next year. Uh last question from Sheezus. Uh any shocks you <laughs> see for, yeah I know funny name. Any shocks you see falling out of the best twenty two next year? Personally I don't think Zerha is too far off uh having a look at some VFL if he can't lift his standards next year, especially with the emergence of Ford, George and potentially Dersma. What yeah, any players that you could sort of see? I mean, I think you might have mentioned a few. We mentioned Tom Powell, Curtis Taylor, uh, and you sort of talked about Cameron Zerha before too. Uh, anyone else or, yeah, mainly those players? I like that. I, I actually – I really do. I think there actually is a bit of pressure on medium forwards considering how many we do sort of have in reserve now. Um, and Eddie Ford's end to the year was incredible. He um, really sort of solidified his position in the team, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's a that's a good point. Um, this isn't about bashing Luke McDonald. I'm hoping it's not viewed this way. But I think we looked better 
at the end of the year when McDonald went out of that back line. I'm hoping that there's a resurgence of form because he does give us leadership and drive and um, sort of is another person that can play in that back half. But I think if his form didn't improve, and I'm hoping that this is the way that we are as a club going forward, if your performances aren't up to scratch, you don't play. Um, So it's possible that that happens at some point in the year. Um, And again, like, I know we've lost a lot of experience. We've lost a lot of leadership. We've lost a lot of games played. But I'd like to see a little bit less of Liam Shields. And that's not about him or the way he plays. I just think if we're going to move forward, I'd like to see um, a Philip solidify his spot in the team. Even a Braden George, someone of that ilk, almost force um, Liam Shields out of the team. Um, And that's not about him. I just think that um, if we're going to progress, there's got to be someone else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pre-season will tell a lot. I mean, it's probably a bit early to yeah, sort of uh, talk about um, players um, yeah, falling out of the team next year. I mean, you know, certainly uh, at the start of the season, I didn't expect Miller Bergman to be in a round one team. I think Hugh Greenwood got in, which was a bit of a surprise as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anything can happen. But, um, yeah, look, it's uh, – yeah, I mean, there's there's a few players on notice, um, that's for sure. And, yeah, Luke McDonald, um, we, we love him and the way he competes. Um, and he can be a good, you know, third or fourth defender. You know, he can be a good intercept defender. Uh, but, uh, yeah, his, his firm form uh, was very uh, patchy uh, last year, that's for sure. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Uh, that's all the questions I have, Siobhan. Uh, did you want to add anything else before I let you go? Thank you for all the questions to our lovely listeners and they were all really, really insightful. I think we had um, it generated a lot of really good discussion and, um, yeah, they were great. So thank you for sending them in. No, yeah, no, thank you to all those listeners. Um, yeah, much appreciated. Well answered too, Siobhan. Uh, you smashed them out of the park, which is good. Very in-depth with all your answers. So that was uh, fantastic. Um, well, yeah, that's all I have for you, Siobhan. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and answering the questions, like I said. Um, and I'm sure I'll chat to you pretty soon before uh, the draft comes up. Anytime, Dean. Like I've mentioned a couple of times, I think it's a really exciting time period for the club. So um, if we get these decisions right, I'm hoping when we have a conversation this time next year, um, I think there'll be a lot more kind of substance and meatiness to the list. So um, yeah, let's bring on the draft. So thank you very much to Shaborn Rowe for coming on the show and helping me answer those questions and v- some very good questions as well from all you lovely listeners. So that's it for tonight. I will be back next week to review our all-important AFLW game coming up against the Crows on Sunday. So hopefully the girls can bounce back this week. I actually should just go uh, – I'll just um, check before – Uh, the team news so I will go through that right now so we have named an extended bench with Ali Gavalis Lucy Burke and Liz McGrath coming into the team. I'd be surprised if Ali Gavalis didn't get a game. So on the uh, the extended bench is Tess Craven, Lulu Puller, Jenna Bruton, Nima Martin uh, and Ruby Tripodi. So I'd probably think Ali Gavalis comes in for Nima Martin this week and that'll probably be our only change. So it's interesting to see that we have gone in with the three talls again. Um, uh, Kim Rennie is obviously past fit, so... Yeah, uh, they're going to back in Emma King, Kim Rennie, Kate Shiel, or Tali Randall. Um, and, yeah, go with that system once again. And thank you once again to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. So if you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. That's it. Like I said, So tonight, I will leave a shout-out to Paul Broadbent at Broaders09 on X. Bye for now, and go Roos.